Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Today's episode of Mile 40 is brought to you by HelloFresh. In the midst of fatherhood, marathon training, writing, and building the Mile 40 community, I tend to be forgetful of feeding myself. And that's why I lean on America's number one meal kit. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from weekly. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. With so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Now, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50mile40pod and use code 50mile40pod for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 mile 40 pod and use code 50 mile 40 pod for 50% off plus free shipping. We'll add the link to the show notes of today's episode for you to check out HelloFresh today. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. I cannot say thank you enough as we approach the holiday season here. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, I also want to point out in the show notes, there is a discount code for anybody interested in purchasing a copy of Break Barriers. Uh, today's episode is featuring Rob Dalto. Rob is an endurance athlete who has completed... 24 marathons. And in 2023, he ran all six Abbott World Marathon majors, a journey he began with his sister to honor their late father and a feat completed by fewer than 100 people since the inception of the World Marathon majors. I personally can relate to this. I am about to run my fifth and I know uh, what Rob has put into this. So Rob, first and foremost, thank you for joining me here today. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, man. I've been following your journey. Um, you know, I, I know the amount of work it takes to do what you're trying to do. And it's not just about the training. Uh, it's about the emotions, uh, the mental buildup, um, you know, really, really prepping yourself for an undertaking that to your point, so few people have accomplished. Um, and for context for the listeners out there, he just completed number six here in New York. So congratulations on that. Thank you. you. You could probably still hear it a little bit in my voice as we talk today. Yeah, man. I mean, I was asking you right before this because uh, I was I was working off the marathon blues earlier this week. I I, I hit them pretty quickly, like on Monday. Uh, and you're still riding the high, which is incredible. Um, why don't you walk us through uh, what this last weekend was for you in particular? And then we'll we'll talk about the journey to get there. Yeah, th this was the most incredible marathon weekend I've ever experienced by far. I think it was for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, of course, finishing up the journey of doing all six 
the fact that it was in my hometown. I actually haven't run New York City since 2016. I've actually run every other world marathon major at least once since the last time I ran New York. So to get back out there was just was just incredible. And I'm just really fortunate to be surrounded by an incredible running community and a community of friends in, in the running space. So the whole weekend was just like one big hug from everyone that I care about and love. And my family was here and was really fortunate to do some really cool stuff with brands that are really meaningful to me as well. So it was a victory lap and yeah, still, still enjoying it. Absolutely. Out of the six. I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but (laughs) is New York your favorite? I would say that the New York city marathon, this, this edition specifically is what this was the best marathon I've ever run of all the ones I've run. So not only the best race, but the best edition of it as well. I love that. You know, what I really like about New York in particular, you know, it, it it's real when they say that humanity is revealed on that day. Uh, not just, you know, on the course, but in the crowds and, and really everybody uh, involved with the event. Uh, and so that's one of my favorite aspects. What did you think? Of the of the race this weekend. I mean, like I said, man, I I I hit a dark place on Monday because I crashed. The dopamine levels just completely crashed the next day. It was an incredible weekend, uh, an incredible event. Um, I, I love the energy. This is my fifth New York, and it never gets old. Um, you know, every single time, just seeing the beauty within the people that are involved in the event. Um, just looking around at all the runners, um, all different, uh, demographics, all different backgrounds. I'm just so inspired by all the people, uh, who are even guided throughout the race, uh, all the people battling disabilities throughout the course. Um, and you know, there were a few times, which was interesting about this year because I ran it last year in that 70 degree weather. I saw a couple of people get stretchered off this year. Um, but before, you know, the stretchers came, I also see, saw a bunch of runners stop to take care of other runners. Um, and, you know, every single time I saw that, it just kind of gave me hope, uh, around just the, the culture that we're, we're building here through this sport. Um, and so that's something that really, really stood out. So, to answer your question, it was an incredible weekend and it never gets old. Uh, and the other thing is every time you do one, you just reaffirm what it is that you're capable of. Uh, totally. and, and how so would you rate it? You've done it five times. How would you rate this among your five? Well, this was a course PR for me. Uh, so from a running perspective, uh, you know, it was definitely number one. Uh, I would also say from, uh, a personal reflection perspective, it was also number one. And the reason for that is because I now feel more confident than ever as a marathon runner. Um, and, you know, I, I joked around that I've done nine now. I didn't really know what I was doing until number five. <laughs> and similar to New York, I now know what I'm doing, but it took me five of these to finally understand uh, the New York course. Uh, And that last stretch up Fifth Avenue, every single time, it's gotten me. But I I now, after this race, finally feel like I know what I got to do and I know the adjustments I got to make in order to make my next New York city marathon, the one that's, that's really gonna, you know, I'm going to walk out of there and say, all right, like I own this course now. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, yeah. That's pretty good. It took me a dozen before I think I figured out how to do a marathon. So you're, you got a head start. You're doing well. You know, let me ask you because I get asked this question all the time. And my answer to this question when asked, um, you know, what, 
has been my biggest learning along the way. Uh, and right around marathon number five was when I learned that in order to run faster, I had to train slower, right? And to kind of really lean into making those long runs, not necessarily about pace, but more so about heart rate and more so around understanding the importance of keeping it conversational just to build the endurance and, and go the distance. And for me, that was my biggest takeaway. You're a lot more seasoned than I am. So tell me, what's been your biggest takeaway through your journey as a marathon runner? I'd say I've gone through many seasons of running now. I, I initially used running as a way to see cities. I was living in Europe and I did a bunch of international marathons and it was how I toured around. Went through a phase of running fast, explored that journey, and then have kind of transitioned to community. And you know, like when I think about when I reflect on this year and, and doing the six, the actual act of completing the steps from the start to the finish lines of each of the six is the least of the fulfillment that I've received. It's the people that I've been able to be surrounded by um, along the journey, the training runs in some of the races ran with a lot of really, really good friends. Um, so that's been my biggest learning and, and being invested in other people's success has made my own success grow even more. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that in in the messaging that you're putting out there, and um, it, it stands out, and it, it's so true. Um, and one of the things that I really love about the sport is that it it trans it transcends athletics. You know, like a lot of these lessons go way beyond the course or the track or um, you know just the daily routine. Um, and 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 that's really what I love about the sport. I want to give the audience uh, some some background. I know we dove right in, but let's talk a little, little bit about where everything began. Where did you grow up and when did endurance sports become a part of your life? Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. <clears throat> so I've largely been around the city. My dad moved into, into Manhattan. He lived up in Harlem when I was around 10 years old. So I was kind of a city rat. I was in the city every weekend, skateboarding around with my dad or, or whatever. And you know, after college, I, a year after I moved a year after college, I moved into, into Manhattan and I've largely been here ever since. Um, as in terms of endurance sport, I, I did track and cross country in high school and college. I was actually never very good. And then after college, I was actually always injured. I would I could never keep my health in order. And so yeah. if I couldn't run, I'd end up on the bike. And then there became a period where I couldn't bike. So I swam and then, you know, enter triathlon. Yeah. So I started doing some sprint and Olympic distance triathlons and decided I wanted to do an Ironman. Yeah. So my first marathon was actually an Ironman back in okay. 2000, which I don't necessarily recommend. Well, actually I do recommend it. was one of the, one of the greatest days of my life for sure. Which one was it? Uh, it was Montremblant up in okay. Canada. Yeah. 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 Fantastic course. Highly recommend it. And then I moved to London and that's where I started my marathon journey. So I guess the Ironman started my endurance journey and the, the marathons began in 2015 in Paris and ran a handful that year. None very fast. Um, over the years got a little bit faster, but that's, that's where the endurance journey started. Got it. Got it. Um, and you mentioned your sister's taking on this, this challenge with you too. I don't know if you, yeah, she's doing this as well. So my sister and I, it was actually her idea okay. um, when, uh, when my, our, our dad was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, we had run the New York City Marathon together. It was my first world marathon major, New York City. We ran it together in 2015. One of my favorite photos yeah. is us actually running into my dad up in Harlem on First Avenue. Um, it's a, a picture I'll always cherish, but we had run that race together hand in hand. Mm. 
finishing, you know, crossing the line. And then when, when our dad got sick, she suggested, Hey, you know, dad loves watching us race. Why don't we go on this journey together? We'll, you know, dad will be a part of it as long as he can. And then we'll, we'll finish it together in honor of him. Yeah. And so we finished that journey this year in London. Uh, but that was the kind of precursor to being able to get into all six yeah. in calendar year as well. So there's a bit of an overlap. Wow. Um, can you give us a little bit of info or just kind of background on, on your family life? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, your father dealing with the diagnosis obviously had a big impact on you and your sister. Can you paint a picture for us around uh, just the last, you know, five years or so? Yeah. I mean, I, I, and while it's, you know, really sad and, and we miss him. I also feel very fortunate for the time we did have, he was diagnosed in 2017. We had about two years with him. He passed in April, uh, 2019. Yeah. And I always describe it as like a, a roller coaster where you're always underwater, you know, you're constantly finding hope and you kind of go up, but it's still tough times. And then, you know, one treatment no longer works and you, you know, you kind of hit another Valley and move on to the next phase. But, you know, we had time to kind of experience a lot of life with him, even, even while things were going, were going sideways and downhill. Um, so we had two years of, of that journey, uh, with him. It didn't actually, it didn't involve any running. He wasn't able to make it out to, uh, any races. Yeah. Um, after he was diagnosed, he actually had a ticket booked to Berlin in 2019. He really wanted to make it out there. It was kind of his mental finish line. It was something he was really fighting for. And, yeah. um, yeah, he passed away before we made it out there. So for the rest of the family, it was a super meaningful trip to go and remember him and honor him. And, you know, it was really just a big part of our grieving process, um, you know, as a family to continue that journey with him, stay close, stay connected. Um, and for me, it's when I can really connect with him most is in races. And I'll always wear um, like I've got, this is the jersey I wore this year. Ever, ever since he was diagnosed, I wore his name on my chest. and. There's something about running and hearing his name called out that just really keeps him alive for me. And, you know, as you know, in New York City, it, it you will hear if you're wearing your name on your chest, you're going to hear it a thousand times. And uh, it's just deeply meaningful for me to be able to hear that. Uh, it just really keeps him alive in my heart. I just felt all the emotions go through my body when you said that, because, you know, I, I was wondering why you wore a shirt that said Joseph. And I had no idea this entire time because I would, I would see the, the shirt and then I'd be like, his name is Rob. And I, and I, I couldn't make any sense of it, but this, this brings it all home. So I, I wow. And, and just kind of hearing you say that I, I totally understand. And, and you answered the next question that I had naturally around this was how running was a part of the grieving process. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to elaborate on that a little bit further, you know, outside of the, the courses and and being out there now and and taking him there with you. What about when he was, you know, undergoing treatment? What about through the darker times um, when he was still here? Uh, was running an outlet for you? Yeah, I think it's a it's a coping mechanism. I think it's I think it's important to distinguish it not as therapy, but a, as a coping mechanism in a time for peace. You know, I certainly had a, th- a therapist on the side. I wouldn't advocate for running as as strictly as therapy, but you know, as an outlet, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, I always found, you know, for me, you know, when I'm you know, dealing with certain things, I'll pour my heart into, into other areas. And, you know, for example, when he got diagnosed, 
I'd actually run my first nine marathons. I, I was only a few minutes under four hours. I think after nine, my, I know I know this after nine marathons, my personal best was only three hours and 55 minutes. Totally respectable time. That makes me but, feel really good. My PR is at three three forty seven, but it took me eight marathons to get there. Yeah, it, take, it takes time. And that's with many years of running under my belt. And when he got diagnosed and we decided we were going on this journey, it became important to me to qualify for the Boston Marathon as part of yeah. my way of completing this journey. And in, in two years, I went from 355 to 259. Wow. Just because I poured my heart into it um, because it was going to be meaningful for me to kind of do that as a, as a way to honor him and just kind of put my effort into something um, that I, I thought, you know, I knew he'd be proud of. I have no doubt he was watching you cross that finish line this last Sunday. And, you know, I remember I walked past the, that the Abbott tent and I thought of you when I crossed it. Um, and so, you know, uh, congratulations again, it, it's an incredible feat and, and to see and hear the purpose behind it. And, and, uh, you know, I can relate on so many contexts of this story. Uh, but I have no doubt he's incredibly proud of you. Um, and, and saw you cross that finish line. Um, you know, it's tough to transition from this. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to do so tactfully because that was the heart of this episode. But, uh, you know, given the context of, of the audience here, uh, there's obviously a huge runner base. And so we need to dig in a little bit. How did we get that marathon time down? Uh, from you know three fifty something to two fifty nine. Talk about training for that that kind of uh, build up. Yeah, I'd kind of put it into into two buckets. Really, I mean, first is was just volume. You know, being able to find a way to increase volume and frequency of running while maintaining health. Like, yeah, it took me a really long time to learn my body learn how to manage and navigate through various ailments and injuries and just stay healthy. Um, yeah. But once I was able to put together years where I could hit 2000 miles, yeah, the things changed dramatically. Mm. So that got me down to 259. And then uh, actually this year, and, and then th my friends used to call me Dr. Rob in high school. <laughs> I've always been really good at getting the most out of myself, every little, every little way, we'd always find ways to be precise. It's actually why I ended up being quite good at triathlon. Cause I would <laughs> dial in transition zone was like my best thing. I, I could really get um, dialed into little nuances that could help me get the best out of myself. And that's actually very much the journey that I'm on now is, you know, as I'm getting like a little, a little bit older, I'm not an old yeah. guy, but, but you know, it's not like you could just, I can't just pop out and run 70 miles every week for the rest of my life. Like I need yeah. to be a little bit more thoughtful about sustainable performance and I very much view this as a lifetime sport. And so what I'm trying to figure out is how do I do that? Yeah. So I've actually partnered up with, uh, it's got Jonah Rosner here in New York, who's just like an absolute mad scientist. And okay. we've been getting dialed in on nutrition. We've done, we did do testing to understand like, where's my baseline at? What, where, what are my different thresholds? Where do I need to prioritize my training to maximize my performance and my output? How do I supplement with cross training? We're going to be looking more into um, dialing the nutritional aspect even more. Really specific strength training based on like force plate analytics and and foot pressure mapping. And yeah. uh, we're going to look at stuff with like uh, blood flow restriction uh, performance and stuff. So we're getting like super dialed in. And uh, even it was just working with him, we did just the second half of my cycle leading into Chicago, where I set a lifetime best. Uh, I was able to set a lifetime best on thirty seven percent less 
running mileage than any time I'd gone under three hours before. Yeah. So anytime I've had any of the best performances, I was able to do that with less or less than a third uh, reduced mileage. So um, always dialing in the the performance. There's just so much good data at our fingertips and things are accessible now that weren't before. Like a VO2 test. Yeah. I mean, we used to, th- I used to hear about that. I'm like, oh, that's like for the, not even just professionals, like the top 1% of professionals yeah, 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 yeah. ever get a VO2 test. Like I didn't think yeah. that was something that was accessible to us in, in our capacity as, you know, just, like hobby athletes, I mean, serious hobby athletes, but hobby athletes nonetheless. So just the fact that some of these things are accessible, um, I love taking advantage of them and learning about them. And then I also just on my social channels, love spreading that knowledge out there as well, because so many people love this sport and want to get the most out of themselves. And like, why not work smarter, not harder? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you touched on nutrition a little bit. Uh, talk to us about uh, how you've thought about nutrition over the last year in particular. Because again, six in one year, uh, you need to maintain. Um, and you know, eating becomes a full-time job. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, there's two things in particular that, uh, that I, I changed that have made a big difference. One was just my relationship with alcohol. Like mm-hmm. I basically quit drinking yeah. a year ago, actually like a year ago from my birthday, which is a couple of days ago. Um, I just want to say like, you know, what would life be like without this really in it that much? And my training cycle, like my performance just like shot through the roof. Um, I never realized how much like literally having like a drink or two um, could, could impact your performance. So that was like a real eye-opening moment for me. Um, just seeing how much more I could get out of myself without, without that. Um and then second was, I've always been really passionate about endurance fueling. And yeah. so I actually make my own electrolytes and my own gels and I use them for all my races. I put them to the test in the, in the hardest standards. So like rewind back to Chicago, I fueled for Chicago. I fueled for all six of the marathons this year with stuff that I made right here in my kitchen. Wow. Uh, just to put it to the test and and show like, Hey, I, I can do it, make it. And then be that it was, that is performance. So I'm super passionate about, about understanding what goes into and what, what we can make productive use of in our, in our systems and metabolisms. That's incredible. Bo- so both those points, the, the point about alcohol, this team has come up a lot um, on the show. Um, personally, I, I gave up alcohol about 11 months ago. Similarly to you, you know, my mindset was, I want to be the highest performing individual, um, you know, across different aspects of my life. Running being one of them, I knew I was going to undertake this path similar to you about, you know, trying to knock out the six, uh, as well as just kind of being the most present as a father and as a husband and with every element of my life and, you know, with the platform and building it. And so just hearing you say that, you know, kind of reaffirms what I was going for and and just you know, it makes me feel good because I've seen what you accomplished. And as I aspire to get there, uh, knowing that, you know, you've done it is is just awesome to hear, uh, about the gels. I haven't heard anything like this before. So this is interesting. Uh, you know, not, not asking you to share any of your proprietary formulas, but I am going to ask you, uh, you know, is this something that you perhaps, uh, would, uh, be considering to kind of go down as a path for yourself, uh, you know, from a business perspective. Yeah. And there's nothing proprietary. I mean, just for the, you know, to, to the whole theme of accessibility, one thing that kind of frustrated me was like, I love Morton gels. Yeah. 
but they're four dollars each and yeah. like when i'm out running 60 70 miles a week if you're actually going to fuel in the way that your body needs and your body can benefit from yeah you need so many of these things and you need to be consuming so many of these products that it's not financially sustainable and so yeah. i like kind of looked at them like here's a great product but it's so darn expensive like there's got to be a better way yeah and when you look at it there's five ingredients so i'm thinking to myself I bet you I could do this. Uh, now, Morton, what they've created is a hydrogel, which is which requires real chemistry. Sure. I figured out how to make it in my own apartment. Like it literally is a science experiment, but it works. Um, and so I've made hydrogels. Uh, lately, I've just focused on really simple um, styles of, of gel, more traditional type gels. Um, but I do definitely see an opportunity in the in the market or a gap yeah. in the market that hits that right um, point of accessibility and quality. Uh, yeah. Traditionally, what a lot of folks would find is there are products that are reasonably priced, but yeah. they don't like them. Think yeah. like goo branded yeah. gel. Yeah. Um, there's products that people really enjoy, but are not necessarily price accessible. I think Morton fits into this category and, and there's a couple other premium products. Um, so I think there's a balance to be struck out there with a really keen eye on um, quality, clean ingredients that are performant, like no extra stuff. One of the things that I find my friends find really interesting about the gels I make is they look at it. It's got more carbohydrate than most products, but it's smaller. And it's because yeah. there's no extra stuff in there. It's just what you need to be successful. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely something that interests me. It's something I'm passionate about. Yeah. Also an area where people can stand to benefit from education. I've, this year I've worked with a lot of newer runners yeah. who may be learning about carbohydrate intake, but are so new to the space around electrolytes. And there's so many misconceptions out there about salt. Salt yeah. is such a dirty word in the in the food pyramid, uh, yeah. but there's it's a critical, critical thing to be consuming. So that's that's super insightful and super cool. I was kind of geeking out just kind of listening to you talk about it. Um you know, wow. Like it's just such a cross pollination of passions here. Right. Like, uh, I think you called yourself a Dr. Rob, right? Like the mad scientist before, uh, and you know, there's the passion for, for endurance sport, but there's obviously here also this kind of passion in terms of, you know, creating something that that's efficient and accessible. Um, and, uh, there's a bigger vision for this. You know, you had mentioned your age earlier, but you didn't you didn't give us your age. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I just turned 36. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, you should be very proud of yourself. And I know I'm proud to to have you on here because um what you've accomplished um in, in short time um, you know, really sets an example and kind of sets the bar here. Um, you know, you pointed out in the last year in particular, um, you've really built a lot of partnerships across the board uh as you kind of uh, have taken on this endeavor. Did you ever envision uh, years ago um, that you know running would turn into this kind of platform for you? No, this has been a dream. Honestly, this whole year, it it's crazy what you can accomplish in a short period of time when you pour your heart into it. I feel incredibly blessed, incredibly lucky, incredibly fortunate. Um. I'm pinching myself like every day that I just ran the New York City Marathon, was with Abbott, with ASICs, with brands that I'm so passionate about and have such had such a meaningful um, impact on my life. I literally have the six stars 
of the Abbott World Marathon majors tattooed on my leg. Huh, I've I literally run a lap around the planet wearing A6 shoes. I've done 25,000 miles in A6 shoes. So these are just two two brands that are deeply meaningful to me personally and the whole, you know, the whole purpose of my journey. So to be able to partner with them has just been absolutely incredible. Amazing. Uh give me give me like a, a short-term goal for you right now. You've obviously accomplished the biggest goal that you probably had in mind for the last year. Is there anything on the horizon? Yeah, something that's deeply meaningful to me is this summer I met uh who's someone who's now a really good friend, Shaq, Shaq Roberts. And he grew up in the he's from St. Kitts. We grew up he grew up in the Bronx and we met in Central Park. And we got talking and he was talking about how growing up in the Bronx, he didn't really feel supported in the running community. It wasn't yeah. like a cool thing. And so we said, oh, let's just like start showing up and see what happens. We've launched a run club, the Bronx Burners, which is actually uh, now affiliated with New York Roadrunners. We have incorporated ourselves as a nonprofit organization. We have given out our first scholarship for $3,000 to a young student athlete up in the Bronx. and that's super meaningful for me to build out in the short term. We've got a goal. We want to uh, bring that fund up to $50,000 to give out towards scholarships in, in the coming year. So that is something that I'm really passionate about, continuing to build, continue to build the pipeline of uh, young talent, and then um, be able to uh, build out the reserve in the in the fund so we can give out scholarships. That's awesome. That's awesome. Rob, I want to just kind of Thank you, because you touch on so many important points here. And when I look at you, I look at you as a beacon of hope um, and as really an example of someone who turned this sport into so much more than, you know, just a couple medals, uh, so much more than just kind of a, a bunch of bullets on the resume. Um, you've turned it into something that has, you know, touched you, you know, at your core. Um, you know, going back to the purpose and the reason behind this last year, but now seeing you take that and translate it into impacting others the way you are with this run club, I, I know you're only getting started. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing the story, for coming on board um, and for enlightening us. I know I'm going to be following you. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah. First off, super kind. Thank you very much. Um, kind words. Uh, again, I'm just super blessed to be surrounded by amazing people that are making like, this whole journey possible. Uh, but I can be, yeah, you can find me if you search Rob Dalton, I'm going to come up, but pursuit of performance, which is you know kind of what I'm on. So you can find me at pursuit of performance. Awesome. And then for the Bronx burners, if anyone wants to, to, to donate or to help out, is there a place where they can go? Yeah, I would love any support. So we meet Wednesdays up at the track by Yankee stadium for anybody who's based here in New York. We're, uh, we're not hard to find. You can find us there at 6.30 every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, we've got social media handle for them too. Awesome. Uh, Bronx RC on uh, on all media outlets. And you, it's got links to all our, all our websites and uh, fun pages and all that stuff. Awesome, awesome. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. This was an awesome, awesome episode. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. You got it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. 
Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.